This podcast is supported by contributions from the McFadden family and the Jack Norris estate. Hi, welcome to Ray County Voices, a news, sports, and entertainment podcast covering and commenting on the goings-on in Ray County, Missouri. I'm your host, Sean Roney of the Richmond News. Ray County communities are back in school. Hardin Central and Oric, two neighboring communities of Richmond that the Richmond News covers, started August 24th. Richmond started August 25th. I checked in with the superintendents of all three districts to get a sense of how the school year had begun, the coronavirus-related challenges they were facing, and a few other topics. I also checked in with one student-athlete and one area football coach. I started August 28th by talking with Hardin Central Superintendent Trey Cavanaugh by phone. How'd the first day of school go? Uh, we've had a very successful first week. I'm very pleased. Uh, some of the uh, procedural uh, things and changes that we put in place have been very effective. Uh, some things we noticed weren't working as well, so we've made a few adjustments to that. But so far, everything's gone very well. What kind of procedurals have you put in place that you talked about? We have done some things with our food service uh, as far as when the uh, students will actually be eating. Uh, instead, of we're doing a lot of things in the classroom as opposed to uh, gathering in a communal area. Also, we're screening uh, students and staff upon entering the building in the mornings uh, with temperature checks. And both those things, although, uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't used to it, uh, every day we, we do those things, uh, the kids get more acclimated to it, and it's just become what, what, the, what the procedures are going to be this year. What were some things that weren't working as well that you ended up having to tweak? Well, we anticipated uh, late spring and this summer that uh, oftentimes when we have large gatherings, such in our gymnasium, maybe students are waiting to be released to go on to classes before school. We recognize that that wouldn't be the safest, uh, the safest element for them. Uh, and so that was an area that we knew that we were going to have to change. We anticipated some of those changes. The buses transporting kids to and from school, to and from student activities, it's, it's impossible to social distance on a bus. And so we did enact a mask mandate, face covering on all district transportation. Uh, these were things that we anticipated we would have issues with, and so we wanted to be out in front to make sure we had things in place by the time school started. How have the students done in terms of complying with the, the mask mandate on the buses? We've had 100% compliance. Uh, I know not everyone is comfortable wearing a face mask, and some are often vocal about their displeasure of having to wear one. But uh, we, we announced that early in August that that was going to be a mandate. And, uh, and like I said, we've had 100% compliance with that, and students know the expectations when they enter, and it's, it's been surprisingly successful. How many students does Hardin Central have, I mean, through all grades this school year? We have about 240 students preschool through the senior class. And the reason I include the preschools because they are on site and they are participating in our food service programs and things such as that. So that, that, that's our estimate. 
count. That can change from week to week depending on move-ins and transfers, but currently we're about 240 students. Of those roughly 240 students, how many of them are taking classes going going to school and how many of them are, are learning virtually? We only have a small percent. Uh, I believe the total number is under 10 of students who are declared that they are wanting to do virtual school. And uh, people get confused on the term virtual school. It's just a platform in which they use that they will not be on site for any traditional learning for the first semester. If our on-site learners, if we would have to suspend school like we did last spring in case of some type of virus outbreak, we would then go into a distance learning type situation in which our Hardin Central teachers would continue to teach new information uh, to our students that would just be done remotely. The virtual platform is through Launch, which is uh, a platform that's ran by the Springfield Public Schools. How has the, the, uh, the virtual learning gone? Any, any technical issues, any, any challenges with students keeping up so far, even though it's only the first week of the school year? We haven't seen technical issues yet, but what we did see was that uh, the launch platform was overwhelmed with the amount of learners statewide who wanted to participate. And as a result, uh, they had to limit how many students they could enroll until they got the correct number of instructors hired and put into place. And so even though it didn't affect us, so to speak, I know a lot of districts were shut out of launch wanting to use this as the virtual learning platform for their virtual students and were unable to do so. But it hasn't been an issue with us. What uh, What kinds of social distancing or, or COVID-related guidelines are will folks need to follow if, say, they go to a football game like Norbert Hardin Central's football game tonight against Kansas City East Christian or, or what have you? One of the uh, good things about being a small district is when you do have an event such as a football game, we're not talking thousands upon thousands of spectators. We're talking in the hundreds. And it has allowed us to communicate with our fans and our fan base that the expectations are when you come to the game, feel free to bring your lawn chair to spread out. Uh, although the bleachers will be open, there will be spacing limitations within the, that seating. And so people are encouraged to bring their own seats, social distance as much as possible. On our campus, face coverings are recommended, but they're not mandated. And, and I, I think as long as we're promoting that and let people know, hey, Please be aware of, of, of the surroundings and, and, and make sure that you're keeping yourself safe. Uh, it allows us to continue to have those events, uh, those student activities uh, in place like we are doing. Now, there will be some concern about concessions, and we haven't really discussed the concession stands and how all that will look, but we will be discussing that before too long. The night of August 28th, I visited Norburn as part of my duties as Richmond News and Excelsior Springs Standard Sports Editor. Hardin Central has a co-op eight-man football program with Norburn, and the co-op was playing its season opener against Kansas City East Christian at Norburn. After Norburn Hardin Central's 70-28 win, I talked to Aggies quarterback and defensive back Braden Schick, a Hardin Central junior, in a live stream video for the Richmond News' Facebook page. I asked him about what it meant to get to play football again in a COVID-19 world. 
it's honestly great getting to see friends, which I would like to call them family. I mean, just getting to see them, spend time with them, practice with them, just being around them is amazing. I asked Norburn Harden Central coach Kirk Thacker to comment on the same topic, which he did. Thacker put his comments in the context of coaching his first game since the death of his son Dalton in May and the recent departure of his daughter Carly for college. Well, it's good to get back to where we're not doing stuff that uh, ends up, uh, you know, where I, I'm just hoping because the boys have done such a good job of, of coming to practice and, and they like being back together with each other and they like the practice and, and you know, uh, the camaraderie. It's helped me um, staying at home, just my wife and I, <clears throat> now is uh, not a lot of fun. Uh, and, and we don't, with this, it gets us back, gets our mind off of it. Uh, the boys really played for Dalton tonight and uh, wanted to get this for me. Uh, we had a hard week with Carly going to, going to school and uh, they, they laid his tombstone this week. The boys went out last night to see to visit it and yesterday was his birthday. And so I told them if they wanted to give him a birthday present, they get a win tonight. And uh, by golly, that's all I heard the entire game we're playing for Dalton. So I couldn't be happier with them, and I, I hope it carries over. Next up was Richmond Superintendent Greg Darling. When we spoke September 1st by phone, we touched on some of the same topics Superintendent Kavanaugh and I had discussed. We covered a few others, too, including Richmond's varsity football schedule. How how would you say that the first week of school went? You know, I, I think the first week of school went great. We had uh, uh, really uh, the students and the staff. Uh, we had some little glitches we had to work through, and we knew that, uh, you know, figuring out, okay, these kids can't go at this time or this kids can go here with masks and, and uh, also with uh, uh, class schedules and teachers teaching uh, differently. Uh, with the six foot, uh, you know, as much as we can, and then mass breaks and all that. So I really think people really felt good about coming back. I think the teachers and the uh, students uh, were excited to come back, and uh, uh, they really, uh, we, we worked hard that first week, and, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about the staff and the students. How many students are, are are taking classes strictly virtually, and how many are are attending in person? That's that's a good question, and uh, the the answer is that we have approximately seventy five percent of our staff, or excuse me, students that are uh, doing face to face, and then we have uh, roughly twenty five percent that are taken virtual. How's, how's the virtual learning going? Well, the virtual, we just, uh, right now, we are doing the uh, middle school, and that uh, next week uh, we will start to have the high school and the elementary. On uh, the 10th, we will start uh, uh, with uh, students uh, through the virtual. Any technical issues or anything in, in working with the, the middle school students virtually, or...? You know, uh, yeah, I think some of them were um, had 
are changing and coming back face to face because of, uh, you know, it is required. You you need to be there for the six hours uh, of uh, work, and that uh, a teacher will be available, but um, it, it's just a, a work on your own pace uh, type of uh, virtual. So if you're a self-starter, it will work good. But if you're not a self-starter, it may not be your niche to uh, do it that way. And I'll ask, because Richmond, of course, played its its first football game last Friday, how did how did that go? How how did the fans do? I, I think do in- uh, overall it went good of our fans. I think we still got to work on our uh, the fans uh, to wear the mask and stuff. But I think uh, overall the went good. I'd like to see everyone wearing masks if you're not uh, six feet apart. And uh, it may be where the next game, I think uh, we're going to look at restricting the next game, the next game's uh, coming up so that uh, we can do social distancing and stuff to make sure we can comply. Um, And then probably new, uh, and you may not know this, but uh, right now we're self-quarantining the football team because there is uh, some a situation with Lathrop that uh, we um, are quarantining uh, because of uh, the possibility of some uh, a number of the athletes for Lathrop had uh, were getting tested for COVID and have symptoms. And are you looking at? I think it's generally been like a two-week window. Whenever teams have to have to self-quarantine, is that kind of the time frame that that you're looking at for for the football team? Yeah. Yes, we'll know we'll know exactly in the next couple of days uh, what the games and stuff will look like uh, if we have them, if we don't have them. So we'll know in the next couple of days uh, when tests come back if it's positive or negative. When we make decisions, uh, you know, we we do pre- precautionary things, but also we do items to prevent, and also we need stuff that are factual. We can't just go on, you know. Uh, um, thought we think or whatever, but we have to go of, uh, you know, if uh, it tests positive or if it tests negative. What kind of uh, COVID prevention, for lack of a better term, measures are in place for some other extracurricular activities? I'm thinking particularly of the performing arts like like school plays and, and choir and things like that. Well, we... Uh, um, we have different uh, situations. Uh, the kids, uh, some of the things may have to play or may have to wear a mask in, in a in a play, or uh, they may have to, uh, you know, it, it just varies from different uh, activities of uh, what we're looking at. We have a plan together, and we just have to. It's a work in progress. You know, we we just asking people to have uh, both, uh, you know, grace and have, uh, you know, uh, patience with us and work with us. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime situation that we are working through, and we're just looking for uh, support of people that uh, work with us uh, and have patience, you know. None of the classes that you take or, or the training that you have prepares you for something <laughs> no. like this, does it? <laughs> I wish there was. There was no class that we took that had uh, pandemic uh you know, we talked, uh, you know, when we go through uh, different uh, uh, classes and it'd be over crisis plans and what do you do with a suicide or what do you do with a, you know, a bomb threat or a fire, and you talk a little bit about this, 
uh, I recall nothing of pandemic, and so we're we're this is all new to all of us, and we're just working uh, together. And that's what's nice is that uh, we're in communication with other superintendents, other school districts. What are you doing? What are some of your plans? And so it it uh, yeah it it no, there isn't a class that we taken to that but we'll we'll work through it and uh uh you know that's the thing about um people in uh, the midwest is that uh, we'll work through this we'll put our head down we'll work try to solve it and we'll we'll uh, get her get her done a few notes before moving on to our final segment because of the team quarantine superintendent darling mentioned richmond did not play oak grove september 4th the spartan september 11th meeting with visiting fulton also was called if Richmond had played Fulton, it would have been a rematch, you might say. The Spartans defeated Fulton in 1971 for the Class 3A state title. As this episode was about to go live, the Spartans were scheduled to play September 17th at Pembroke Hill, a private school in Kansas City, Missouri, near the Missouri-Kansas border. The non-conference meeting had originally been scheduled for September 18th. Moving from the football field back to the schoolhouse, we conclude this episode with a September 4th phone interview with Scott Archibald, superintendent of the Oric R11 school district. What kind of feedback have you received from administrators, students, parents uh, about how school has gone so far? School's been great. I mean, we haven't had any, uh, haven't really had much uh, negative feedback at all. Everything's been pretty positive uh, from our teachers to our um, to our admin, parents, I mean, everybody I talked to, I think everybody's just glad we're in school, you know, and I think that's where we're all at right now. We're just happy to be here. Any particular challenges you've had to deal with during these first two weeks because of COVID-19? No, not really. I mean, it was just adjustment. You know, we have we have uh, kids wearing and staff are all wearing masks. Uh, so it's a little bit of adjustment on that and, you know, the social distancing side of things, you know, and um, I'd say we just, you know, we had it all lined up of how what doors people were coming in, where our buses are coming, and different things. And um, we really, everything's really run, run really, really smooth. I've been really happy with how everything has gone. Are basically all, all the student body attending classes in person? Do you have any, any students who are taking classes virtually? Yeah, we have, we have some. Uh, not very much. I mean, maybe total, I think is around 20. What is the, the total student body from pre-K through 12 for this year? Uh, right now, total, I want to say we're around 280, 290 total, somewhere around there. Because of that, I'm, I'm guessing the, the classroom sizes are relatively small, so is, is it relatively easy to be able to practice social distancing and, and the other things that you need to do? Well, I mean, we still have... We still have time. That's why we may we still have a tough. It's tough. I mean, um, I think every school in the whole entire country, it's it's really hard to complete completely go social distancing, and that's why we uh, required masks for everybody. Or we have face shields, we have desk dividers, uh, we have all those things in place uh, because of that. Um, but we we do as we social distance as much as we possibly can. Yes. And what kind of effects? is COVID having on, on extracurricular activities like, well, specifically athletics? Well, right now, it's where we're going. <laughs> we actually played our first football game last Friday night. Uh, we had our first volleyball game last night. Um, we'll play our second football game tonight. So, so far for us, we haven't had, it hasn't affected us. 
I'm hoping it stays that way, but, you know, I know there's other schools that are around us that, that, that have had it affect them. So, you know, I think it's just, um, you know, kind of wait and see. I think we're all, I think every administrator um, in the country is all sitting around saying, okay, we're just, we're going to do what we can do, and uh, if a situation arises, we'll deal with that situation as it arises. Nothing prepares you in in school, all the classes and everything that you've taken for something like this, does it? There's nothing I have done in any of my classes that prepared me for a tornado, a flood, a fire, and now a pandemic. No, not even close. <laughs> Scott Archibald, I thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. I've posted links to the Braden Chick and Kurt Thacker livestream interviews in the description of this episode, posted on buzzsprout.com and on other podcasting platforms. And that's it for this episode of Ray County Voices. Once again, I'm your host, Sean Roney. As was mentioned to open the episode, this podcast is supported by contributions from the McFadden family and the Jack Norris estate. If you want to be a sponsoring business or a supporting patron of this podcast series, contact Sheridan Donut, media specialist with the Richmond News and Town & Country Leader at richmond at leaderpress.com. That's Sharon at leaderpress.com. She also can be reached at the Richmond News at 816-776-5454. That's 816-776-5454. Her contact information also is included in the description of this episode at buzzsprout.com and on other podcast platforms. Speaking of which, thanks to Buzzsprout, the online host for this podcast, and most importantly, thank you for listening. Check back again in October when our scheduled episode theme will be a preview of some of the November election races affecting Ray Countyans. Until then, take care and stay safe. Ray County Voices is produced by the Richmond News in association with Momut Music and Momut Multimedia, both imprints of Mutt Media LLC. The executive producers are Brian Rice, Sharon Donnett, and Sean Roney. It is scripted, directed, edited, and engineered by Sean Roney. Music for Ray County Voices is composed by Sean Roney and performed by the music collective Sacred and Secular. The copyright for this podcast is owned by the Richmond News, Momot Music, and Momot Multimedia. Any use of this podcast without the expressed written consent of the Richmond News, Momot Music, and Momot Multimedia is prohibited.